Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come join us at 10.30am every Sunday. Okay, Neil's going to come. He's, uh, he's going to be the forerunner of my preach next week. So this is just like the, the appetizer for, for me next week. Something like that anyway. It probably just means he's going to nick all the best lines. Uh, but uh, Father, we just thank you. Thank you for your word, Lord. We pray that our hearts will hear your word and that uh, we will be uh, open to hear and change where we hear the quickening of the spirit encouraging us to do something different and to know you more, Lord. Amen. Neil. Good morning. It's great to be with you. Um, Our elders' meetings are fun at the moment as we argue about which passage we're going to speak from Colossians and uh, everyone has one that they particularly want to do and I particularly wanted to do next week's. So um, I haven't got next week's, I've got this week's, which is... (laughs) Yeah, and Phil wants four weeks every time he preaches. So, uh, But um, it's great. Colossians is so full of uh, rich promises of God and rich truth that we just love sharing it with you. So we're just going to read from Colossians chapter 1 this morning, verse 24 to 27. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to that. I do believe it's coming up. It is. And this is Paul writing. He says, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret, Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. And uh, as I was preparing and reading this little uh, piece of scripture, It just struck me that Paul says that his responsibility is to bring the entire message of God. And I wondered why he used that word. Um, And it suddenly struck me that we know that he was speaking to the Colossian church and they had lots of false teaching. Uh, Remember, when I first did the introduction to Colossians, we said how um, the Colossian church were being taught that it was Jesus plus other things. Uh, And as we go through chapter 2, we're going to look at that. Uh, You need Jesus plus special knowledge. You need Jesus plus religious rituals. You need Jesus plus visions of angels. Uh, Or you need Jesus plus self-denial. These things, these additional things to Jesus bring you closer to God. And this was the false teaching that he was trying to preach against and speak against. The other thing was that the Jewish church is in this area. Remember, Colossian was not a Jewish place. It was full of Gentiles and Gentile churches that had been planted. The Jewish churches were saying to the Gentile churches that they weren't quite the same standard as the Jewish churches. They didn't have the whole history of Israel, of being Jewish, and uh, the Old Testament, the Torah, the law, they didn't understand all those things because they didn't have that rich tradition 
and Paul wants to speak into that and say that is not right, God has opened up the Bible, has opened Jesus for all, Jews, Gentiles, Romans, Greek, English, Welsh, Scottish, Irish even. God has opened up the gospel to the whole world. And this is the entire message that he is bringing to the Colossian people and that he wants us to hear today again is the whole message is this, Christ in you. No longer is Christ outside you, no longer is Christ up in the heavenly places or in heaven or even in the temple. No, Christ is now in you. That is the difference that Jesus made when he came. No longer is God a God who just lives in the temple in Jerusalem. And this is where the Jews really got hung up about God's presence because they believed that God's presence was in the temple in Jerusalem. And I just want us to have a quick look at the temple. We should get it up on the screen in a moment. I'm hoping... Here we go. I'm not sure if you can see that or not. Will they be able to see that anyway? Yep. Okay. Why is this important? This is important because the temple was the place where God's presence was. He was in the most holy place. And right at the very top of that picture, you can see the most holy place. And the most holy place could only be entered into once a year by the high priest and he would offer a sacrifice for the sins of the people once a year in that holy place. And in that, he used to go in and they used to put a rope around him and they would feed out the rope just in case something happened to him while he was in there because God's presence was in that holy place. And if something happened and he was overcome by God's presence, they could drag him out by this rope because they were not allowed to enter into the most holy place. Outside of that, you've got the second area, which is called the holy place, and that was, could only be entered into by the priests. The priests would go into there, they would uh, make the sacrifices for people's sins, uh, but only the priests were allowed in the holy place. Now, the thing is this, between the two rooms, the most holy place and the holy place, was the curtain or the veil of the temple. And it separated the two areas. Now, this was no ordinary curtain. This curtain was 60 feet high, it was 30 feet wide, and it was between four and six inches thick. It was a massive curtain. It was more like a wall, to be honest with you. It was huge. And uh, just reading about it yesterday, they were saying that when it had to be taken down and replaced, it took 300 people to lift it and put it into place. And what they had to do was they had to leave the old curtain and then they put the new one up and then they could take the old one down so that no one could see into the most holy place at any point. It was a huge deal. So this was what separated the holy place and the most holy place, was this massive, massive, thick curtain. So outside those two holy places, there is the court of Israel, where Jews were allowed to go. 
there's another wall and more curtains and then there is the court of the women who were allowed to go into that part and then there's another wall the gate the beautiful gate and finally there's another wall and outside that is the court of the gentiles which is where we would be if we were in jesus time because we're not jews we're not jewish we are gentiles we're outside the jewish people the jewish race so we are miles away from god's presence god's presence is in the most holy place you are outside probably one two three four five walls and probably a similar amount of curtains that are protecting god's presence because the ark of the covenant is in the most holy place and this signifies god's presence and that is what the temple was like the amazing amazing thing is that jesus came and completely and utterly changed everything how does this work okay hebrews 10 verse 11 and 12 says this under the old covenant the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day offering the same sacrifices again and again which can never take away sins but our high priest jesus offered himself to god as a single sacrifice for sins good for all time so jesus comes and he replaces the role of the high priest in the bible often jesus is referred to as our great high priest and that is what this means he's taking the role of the high priest who offers sacrifices for sins in that most holy place and jesus comes and he does it once and for all he dies on the cross and he takes your sin forever one sacrifice for all time so suddenly the most holy place miles away from any gentiles becomes redundant in one foul swoop because jesus has replaced it and so what happens when jesus died we read in matthew 27 it says this at noon darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock about that time jesus cried out eli eli lemma sabachthani which means my god my god why have you abandoned me or forsaken me and verse 50 to 52 jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit at that moment the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom the earth shook rocks split apart and tombs opened the bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead this is so important in our understanding of what happened at the cross because this curtain this veil it did exactly what it said it veiled god from everybody apart from the great high priest but suddenly this veil is torn in two ripped from top to bottom top to bottom by the power of god why because jesus has taken the place of the high priest he becomes our high priest he becomes our sacrificed the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world and suddenly his presence is available for everybody 
Suddenly, no longer does God live in the temple only, but he comes and he lives in your heart. Christ in you. That's the massive change that happens here. And not only for the Jewish people, but also for the Gentiles. Suddenly, this is the new covenant that God is talking all about through the scriptures. It's revealed by Christ coming and dying on the cross for our sins. Access to God is no longer in a temple made by hands, made by humans. It's by the Holy Spirit. He comes into your hearts. He seals your heart with his promise, the Bible tells us. He wants to come and tabernacle in your hearts. You see, in the most holy place, there was the tabernacle which held the Ark of the Covenant and the uh, Ten Commandments. And the same word is used in John's Gospel where he says, now I want to come and tabernacle in your heart. This is the difference. It becomes personal now. The Holy Spirit comes and he lives in us. Christ in you, no matter if you're a Jew, a Gentile, a Greek or a Roman. Hallelujah. The veil torn into is such an important symbol because it releases God into everything. The temple no longer is the place where God is. Julia and I had the privilege to go to Israel in 2019. And the only part of the temple that is left is the western wall. It's one wall of the temple that is left. And sometimes it's called the Wailing Wall. And the Jews still go to that wall and pray every single day. Why? Because they feel it is the nearest place to the temple. It's the nearest place to that most holy place that we looked at, where the high priest could go. So they go there and they pray every single day, some some of them three times a day. They post their little prayers into the wall and they pray because they think that's where God's presence is. And what struck me as we stood there and watched all these Jews going and praying before the wall was they've missed the point because it's no longer Jesus living in the temple anymore. It's now Jesus living in my heart. I can go and pray in Israel. I can go and pray outside the temple because Jesus lives in me. He's come and he's tabernacled in my heart. I can talk to him anytime, any place, anywhere. It doesn't matter where it is. He's inside me. So you don't have to go to a special place. You don't have to go to a special building. Listen, the lime tree used to be owned by the post office. It was a building where the vans would come in through those doors over there and they would drive in and they would get fixed in here and they would, I don't know what else they did, but that's what they did. This is not a cathedral. This is just a building. When we all leave today, God's presence doesn't somehow mysteriously stay here in the ether. No, it's dead. It's just a building. But when God's people come, no matter if there's only six of us here today, God's presence is here. How? Because we bring him with us. He lives in me and he lives in you. So God's presence comes and we call and we say, Come, Lord Jesus. And he comes and he fills our heart with his Holy Spirit. That's why coming together as brothers and sisters in Christ is so important. 
Because as we come together, the Holy Spirit rises in me and Phil and Peter and Dave and Sarah and Nathan. It rises within us and we worship Jesus. Because Christ lives in you, not in a building. You can have the most beautiful cathedral in all the world, but take out everyone's heart. Take out every person. It is just that. It may be beautiful. It may be amazingly architecturally wonderful. And a lot of them are. But it's not where God lives. God lives in you. This is the massive change that has come to us because Christ took the place of the great high priest. Hebrews 10, verse 16 to 23 says, This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. This is fantastic news. Read Hebrews chapter 10, it will bless your socks off. But there's even more than that. And Paul says this, So dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Hallelujah. Boldly enter heaven's most holy place by the blood of Jesus. I'm not sure that most of the time we enter God's holy presence boldly. I think we most of the time do it very timidly. Because we look at ourselves and we look at our sin and we think about a terrible week. Should I really go? Should I, can I get into God's presence? God says, don't you understand? This is your right. And it's not about what you've done. It's what about Jesus did on the cross. He took your sin once and for all and he nailed it to the cross. So you could enter the holy place boldly by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. It's all about Jesus. Remember, we said right at the beginning of Colossians, the whole teaching of Colossians is, it is all about Jesus. It's all about what he's done. It's all about us being in Christ, of Christ, from Christ. 36 times in Colossians, Paul mentions that. It's important. It is all about Jesus and what he has done for us. This is the mystery that has been revealed to the Colossian church. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it's the same mystery that's been revealed to us. If you're on the Alpha course at the moment, this is the message that God is trying to say to you, I want to come and live in your heart. It's not about get yourself right and then maybe God will let you in. No, no, no. God takes you wherever you are, whatever mess you're in, he takes you as you are. He comes and lives in your heart and then he starts to change 
you by the power of his Holy Spirit. You cannot work your way to God's kingdom. You cannot work your way and please God. He's done it all. Jesus pleased God by his sacrifice. God says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus if you're saved. You take your sacrifice. He doesn't look at the person bringing the sacrifice. He looks at the lamb and says, the lamb is acceptable. It's pure, it's undefiled. That's what Jesus has done for us. He is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Christ lives in you. Hallelujah. Sons and daughters of the King. That is your position in Christ. It's a wonderful promise. It should bless your socks off. It blessed my socks off as I was preparing this. We are sons and daughters of the King this morning. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. Hallelujah. Matthew Henry in his commentary says this, I just really like this. This mystery, now made known, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is the hope of glory. The grounding of our hope is Christ in the world. The evidence of our hope is Christ in our hearts. Hallelujah. To close... Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22. This is what has happened. So you, so now, you Gentiles, that's us, are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling place where God lives by his spirit. That's the amazing change. That's the entire message of the gospel, that Jesus came, reconciled us to God, and now he lives in us. He lives in you. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for your amazing truth. We thank you, Lord, for your amazing gospel. We thank you, Lord, for your amazing message that you have come and done it all. And we give you all the glory this morning, Jesus, and all the honour and worship you. Thank you for your amazing gift to us. Thank you that Jesus became available for all. Roman, Greek, Whatever, Gentiles, we are now part of your holy temple in the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to finish with a song, <coughs> Who the Sun Sets Free, and the words are this. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes I am. In my Father's house there's a place for me. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say 
I am. As we sing this song, I want you to stand and just declare it. Declare it before the enemy, declare it before your circumstances, declare the truth of Scripture. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but it brought me in. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.